Welcome to the Dayspring Audio Library, the teaching ministry of Pastor Daniel Rehoff. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message will have a powerful impact on your life. So sit back and enjoy today's time in the Word. The last couple of weeks we've been studying the book of Acts. So what do we talk about? Well, we talked about the fact two weeks ago that hard times will come, right? And then we talked about what Paul did in the middle of hard times, which we talked about last week. And what did he do? In the middle of hard times, he's in prison. And what's he doing? Is he there panicking, moping, scared, crying? No, what's he doing? He's singing what? Singing hymns and he's sharing the what? Sharing the gospel. And people are getting saved because of it, right? So... Uh, that's kind of just an interesting thing. And again, church, I think we have to just put everything in perspective. Yeah, we're in a cautionary state as far as our nation goes, but we're not. This is not a panic. This is not a, you know, the end of the world is not coming by any means. But uh, the reality of the fact, though, is what we're going to see from what Paul did is that um, the gospel, the gospel causes problems. The gospel causes trouble. Uh, you would think, now just think for a second, follow our story. Paul was just in prison he didn't do anything wrong. The only thing that he did wrong was to preach the gospel. And so he's sitting in jail because of the fact that he's preaching the gospel. And the story is going to go on as we look here in, in Acts, and we're going to push into Acts chapter 17. The story goes on, and we see, boy, just, there's just more trouble. And the only trouble that there was was just because he was giving the gospel. So I'll tell you what, just for the sake of review, let's go backwards just a little bit. Let's go back to Acts chapter 16, verse 25. I just want to catch up where we're at in case you missed last week. And I'll just read a couple of verses, starting with verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard him, and suddenly there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken, immediately all the doors were open, everyone's bands were loosed, and the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out a sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do not harm thyself, for we are all here. Verse 29, then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Verse 31, and they said, join a church and be baptized and commit your life to Christ and turn from all your sins. Is that what they said? They didn't say that. What did they say? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And they spake unto him the words of the Lord and to all that were in his house. Now, go down to verse 35. Here we're picking up today. And when it was day, the magistrate sent the sergeant, saying, Let those men go. And the keeper of the prison told this, saying to Paul, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Now, therefore, depart and go in peace. <laughs> now, look at Paul. <laughs> verse 37. Paul, you, okay, Paul, here we go. And Paul said unto them, Hmm, they have beaten us openly uncondemned, being Romans. We're Romans. And have cast us into prison, and now they do thrust us out privately? Mm, not going to happen. <laughs> Nay, verily. But let them come themselves and fetch us out. See, he's saying, listen, the law of the land is you can't try us because we're a Roman citizen, but you, you, you threw us into prison without having a court, you know, without you know, being convicted of any of that. You, know, you scourged us, you beat us, and we're Romans. And now you want us just to secretly disappear. Nah not going to happen. You can come here and unlock the chains yourself. You can let us out yourself. Look at verse 38. 
And the sergeants told these words unto the magistrates, and they feared when they heard that they were Romans. Yeah, I bet they did. And they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia. Hold there for a second. Lydia. Do you remember who Lydia was? From the, earlier in chapter 16, you remember they were coming up. Remember we were looking at our maps like two weeks ago, and they're coming up out of Antioch, and they're going, and they met a woman there, and her name was Lydia. They led her to the Lord. Do you remember that? Right? Okay, so here's Lydia again. So they go out of the, out of the prison and away from the jailer, and they go to the house of Lydia, and when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. So, so, so there they are, they're with Lydia, and, and they get kind of regrouped a little bit, you know, kind of get the, the wounds healed up. Okay, we're going to go out. Verse, chapter 17, verse 1. Now when they, take your pen please, underline the word they, let's pause there two seconds. They, remember who wrote the book of Acts? Dr. Luke. Do you remember how it was always about they? And then in chapter 16, we saw it was we, because Luke joined them. And now chapter 17, now it's they again. Pastor, what do you think? What, why didn't Luke go with them here? Okay, they, they, they're leaving. They were there at Philippi. They're leaving, right? We're going to go over here now. And now Luke says it's they, they went. Why do you think Luke stayed there? Here's my two cents. I don't, I don't have any Bible verse to prove it. Here's my two cents. Who's right there? Who's there? They're in whose house? Lydia's house. She's a believer. Remember, they're going around starting churches. Who just got saved? The jailer. And who else? His family. I don't know how many people there were. How many was in Lydia's family? I don't know. Is there, is there 10 people that are believers now? Is there 20? I don't know. Why do I think Luke stayed? Why do I think Luke said, well, you guys go and, and, and they, they're going to go. I'm going to stay here. I think Luke's going to stay here in the, in the church that just started. And I think he's going to disciple these people because they're all so excited about it. I mean, the jailer's excited. You know, they're excited. Lydia's back on the scene. She's excited, right? Come on in. I'll take care of you guys. And so I think that's just kind of an important thing to think about. Luke, I think he's staying there. Why? I think he's going to disciple these new believers. And I think, I think we're seeing a church being planted right here, happening kind of in the real world. So now when they had passed through Amphipolis and through Apollyana, they came to Thessalonica. There was a synagogue of the Jews. So there they are. They're going, and they're going to Thessalonica. It's about, a, about west, about another 70 miles that they've gone there. And... And they're there, and they're at a synagogue. So a synagogue, in case you don't know, is where the Jewish people would worship before they had what we know as the church today. Now, pause just for a second, just for context. Thessalonica, does that ring a bell with anybody? There's a book in the New Testament called Thessalonians, First and Second Thessalonians. Those were letters written to who? To the church in Thessalonica. Okay, so you're kind of starting to see where the picture is. So here they're coming into Thessalonica, this city, and, and they're going to go into the uh, synagogue there and they're going to preach. Now look at verse 2. All right, here we go. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them in three Sabbath days. So there's three weeks that he was there. He, he did what? He reasoned with them out of the what, church? What's the next word? Of the scriptures. Now remember, church, sake of context, let's put it together. I want you to understand it. They didn't have this half of the Bible, right? Because it, it's happening right now. They're, they're writing this half of the Bible. I mean, they're living it out. They had this half of the Bible. So, so Paul is in the Jewish synagogue speaking to Jews there, and he's reasoning with them out of the Old Testament scriptures. He's there three weeks. Look at verse 3. Opening 
and alleging. Would you take your pen and underline those three words, opening and alleging? Very important. That Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead. And that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. Now this verse is really loaded, and we're going to land on this verse here for a little while. I want us to kind of get this. I think it's interesting to note, just kind of keep your, your finger there on that verse. What is he doing with them? He is, look at the verse, he's opening and alleging, he, he, he's reasoning with them, verse 2 talks about, not out of someone's books, not out of the latest you know, book that was written, not out of you know, some Facebook post. He's reasoning with them out of the scriptures. This is the tool that he's using. I'm using the Bible, okay? Now, our church here, we, we just like to use the Bible. And uh, this, is our, this is our reference book. This is our guidebook. And we have a, you know, I have an opinion, you have an opinion, but that's nice, but God's word tells us what's truth, right? So we always refer back to God's word. And that's what Paul's doing. He's saying, listen, I'm going to reason with you. I'm going to speak. I'm going to present an intelligent discord. Uh, I'm going to say this thoroughly to you. And I'm going to present to you the gospel. And Paul is taking his time presenting the gospel. Now, we, we have to, for the sake of context, I have to stop here for a second. I ha, I ha, you have to get this. See, see, nowadays when we hear the gospel in the year 2020, just remember, we got the whole complete word of God. Amen, church? So we get it. We, we're looking back over our shoulder 2,000 years ago saying, oh yeah, yeah, Jesus was the Messiah. We, we get that. Jesus was the Christ. It says it right here. We can read this, all about this. But now remember, those people in the church at that time, in the synagogue at that time, they didn't have the New Testament. What are they? They're a thousand miles away from Jerusalem at this time, right? Jesus, this guy named Jesus, died on a cross years ago. They didn't have Facebook. They didn't have emails. They didn't have the printing press. There were no books written on it. There was no live coverage on news about it. And so they're going all the way up here in in, in a foreign country on a mission trip, and they're talking about, now listen. Now imagine, get yourself in the shoes of there. Okay, all through here, let's read the book of Isaiah. There's a Messiah coming. Oh yeah, there's a Messiah coming. Oh yeah, and he's going to be the lamb without blemish and spot. Oh yeah, and this Messiah is going to pay the sin debt of the world. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And and I just want to let you guys know that in Jerusalem, you know, well, by this time, 20 years ago, there was a guy, his name was Jesus, okay? He really was the Son of God. He, he is the Messiah. He's the Christ. The one that was predicted even here in Isaiah, I saw him with my own eyes. We were there. We were there. And then, and then, and then, and then he rose from the dead again, and oh, it was a wonderful thing, and he was seen by all these people, and it was proof that it was, and, and this guy really was the Messiah. He wasn't just a man, but he was fully God, fully man. Now, you would take a while to have to explain that to a Jewish person that was in a different country. But again, we take for granted that we got the whole Bible. We take for granted that we got, you know, emails and we have books and we have all these things that we can read and we can research it. But back then, they didn't have all that stuff. So it would have been a pretty big deal for, for him to be in a synagogue saying, that guy you heard about, it really did happen. And that guy you heard about, yep, he really did die on a cross. Yeah, he really did. Yeah, he really is the Messiah. Whoa, these are like, this is like big words you're saying. This is like a really big thing. And, and he's having to explain that Jesus is the Messiah. You know, I, I heard someone say this the other day. Kind of weird they heard it this week. That the gospel was, and I don't agree with this, but I'm just saying I heard this. The gospel was just believe in Jesus. That's all you had to do is just believe in Jesus. No cross, 
You didn't have to worry about that. You know, you don't have to realize that you're a sinner. You don't have to understand that he was part of the Godhead. You know, all you have to do is just believe on Jesus. That's it. So you're in an airplane. Airplane's crashing. You know, oh God, I believe in you. Oh God, I believe in Jesus. And that was, that was salvation. Well, the Bible doesn't say that. That's, that's a term called the crossless gospel. Or maybe you've heard it called easy believism. Where you're just believing on a guy named Jesus for salvation. Just, I just, you don't know anything else about him. You know, you don't understand what he did on the cross. It doesn't mean anything to you. You're just believing on this guy named Jesus. It's just like, you know, oh God, help me, that kind of a thing. Well, you need to understand who Jesus was and what he did for you. You have to understand that. You have to realize that, yeah, I'm a sinner. But it's not just some guy named Jesus that I'm trusting in to, to give me eternal life. It's the fact that, that Jesus, yeah, he was the Messiah. What is Messiah? Was, was Christ his last name? No, Christ was who he was. He was the Messiah. You know, my name is Daniel Rehoff. Well, his name wasn't Jesus Christ, like his last name. It's Jesus the Messiah. You are the Messiah. You're the one that paid the sin debts for mankind on the cross of Calvary. And, and so, so you've heard people say that. That's called easy believ- believism or just a crossless gospel. Paul never said just believe in Jesus for eternal life. Uh, he always talks about the death, burial, and resurrection uh, as the payment for mankind's sin. Okay? And you have to understand that. You have to never forget about the work of the cross. You have to never forget about the fact that, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Okay? You can't just throw all those things away and just say, well, just believe in some guy named Jesus. I mean, goodness sakes. You watch baseball, right? Well, supposedly there's going to be a baseball season this year, right? There's a lot of baseball players. Their names are Jesus. I mean, you're not believing in them. You know what I mean? But no, this guy is the Messiah. Go back to verse 3, 17 verse 3. So what is Paul doing? Now think about it. What is Paul doing? He's opening and alleging, look at verse 3, that Christ must needs have suffered talking about dying on a cross, and risen again from the dead, there's your resurrection, and that this Jesus whom I preached unto you is the Christ. Okay? The, the job of the Messiah was to die on the cross to pay for mankind's sin, and, and three days later he would rise again proving it was dead. And that guy you heard about, Jesus, he is this guy. He is the Messiah. This, this is one and the same. And, and Paul takes his time here, three weeks, and he explains the gospel to these people, that there is a debt that needs to be paid for mankind's sin, and that, and that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he was the Messiah, and that he did pay for that. Look, look at that verse again. Go back to verse 3. Look at all that's in this verse. Just look at it. First of all, the first thing I wrote down that we see in this verse is what? We see the deity of Jesus Christ. He's not just some guy. He's the Messiah, okay? He is part of the Godhead. He is the Christ, all right? Think that's a big deal. Now, remember, that's a really big deal, especially to the Jewish people that are at that time. Are you kidding me? You're saying that he, yeah, he is. He is. Look at the second thing on there. That is his death, he died on a cross for mankind's sin. He paid our works, okay? Uh, paid our debt, you know, by his death on the cross. The work of Christ on the cross was to secure our salvation. And salvation comes by faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone. Yes, absolutely, you're saved by grace alone, by faith alone. In what? In the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Absolutely. He did the work. We don't have to. But, but Paul always emphasized that the cross is part of the gospel. I wrote down a couple of verses here. We'll look at them. We don't have much time, but let's just go quickly. I want you to see it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. 
Moreover, brethren, talking to a church, I declare unto you the gospel. What's the gospel which I preached unto you? Which also you have received and wherein you stand. Look at verse 3. For I have delivered unto you, first of all, that which also I received. Well, what is that? How that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. And that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. What did, what did the Messiah do? He died on the cross for our sin debt, was buried. Three days later, rose again. What's, what's the proof of that? What's the, what's, the, what's the proof that this happened? Well, here he just gives some, some proofs to it. He was seen of Cephas. And of the twelve, after that, he was seen above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present. Some have fallen asleep, or some have passed away, but most of them are still alive. And that he was seen of James, and of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also, me, Paul, as one of the born out of due time. And so here he's saying, look at there, there's just the fact of the matter is this is the gospel. That the Messiah will die on the cross for mankind's sin. He's buried. Three days later, he rises again. That's the fact of it. Only the proof of it is that there was, there was just hundreds of people that saw him. They all saw him. It's, it's someone called me on the phone the other week here at the church and say, Pastor, I'm not kidding you. They said, Pastor, you also have to believe in this guy Cephas. And that Cephas was a real person. That Cephas really saw the Messiah. Because that's what Paul said. No, you don't have to believe in Cephas. <laughs> Those verses are a proof of what the Messiah was doing, that he had done this. They're saying, look it, he did it. A lot of people saw it. I'm not making this up. This isn't just my own little story. So you don't have to believe in Cephas. But the reality of the fact is these people uh, had saw it. They saw what Christ did. Go down to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. 1 Corinthians 1, 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. So what did, what did the Messiah send me to do? To preach the gospel. Not... With wisdom of words, now look at this, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. I think Paul was very serious about the cross. I don't think Paul forgot about the cross. Some people say, oh, well, you know, it's a crossless gospel. You don't need to know about the cross. Paul didn't preach about the cross. Are you kidding me? Every time Paul gave the gospel, he talked about the cross. Look down at verse 18. For the preaching of the cross... It's to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved. What is the cross? It is the power of God. The cross is a very big deal. It's a very important part of the gospel. It is the gospel. When, uh, when we were building this building, I'll, just, I'll give you an inside scoop, all right? The, the architect, we love our architect. And he said, Pastor, I just want to let you know. I just want to let you know. The fad nowadays, because we have a very modern building, right? You know that. He said this, the style nowadays, the fad nowadays with churches is no one's putting crosses on churches anymore. That's like old school. <laughs> I said, are you kidding me? <laughs> and if they do, they're putting this cross that's about this big, and they're kind of hiding it, you know, in the architecture somewhere. But, you know, it's about a foot tall. And I said, are you kidding me? We're, we're on an interstate, right, between Madison and Milwaukee. Three million cars every month pass in front of this building. Are you telling me? I'm not going to put a cross on the front of this building. Are you a joke? Is this like April Fool's Day? What are you talking about? I want the biggest, baddest cross you can put on the front of this building. And I want people from Madison to see it and people from Milwaukee to see it. And guess what? I want it lit up 24 hours a day. I, I, there is no mistaking it, right? Because what? Look at that verse. The preaching of the cross to them that perish is foolishness. But in an which are saved, it's the power of God. Church, can I get an amen? Amen. amen. I want people when they drive by to see the cross know exactly what this is. There is no question... We are not a medical building. We are not a, a lawyer's office. You know, this is not a Muslim gathering. <laughs> it's Christians, and we believe in the cross. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people, when they drive by, the Bible talks about if the cross is lifted up, you know, Jesus dies on the cross, it'll, 
it'll bring people to him. The cross is a sign of, of what happened on Calvary 2,000 years ago. And if it just, if it just prompts the Holy Spirit just, just a little bit and three million cars a month, one or two drivers a month, they just get prompted by the Holy Spirit when they see her across at 2 o'clock in the morning. Well, praise God. Then it's, it's, I call this architectural evangelism. Our building is witnessing, you know, 365 days a year, seven days a week. It never shuts down. So you can't separate the cross of Christ from the gospel. Church, don't ever fall for perversions of the gospel like that. The cross is part of the gospel. I'll prove it to you some more verses. Galatians 5.11. We've got to move. Same writer, Paul. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. <laughs> Saying this is a big deal, guys. If, if I'm not doing anything, I mean, if I'm not preaching anything, I'm not going to preach the cross, but I'm preaching the cross. This is important. Ephesians 2.16. And that he might reconcile. Well, reconcile, what do you mean? Reconcile. Well, bring, bring back together. Both unto God into one body. How, how, how is God going to reconcile with mankind? Well, he says it right there. By the cross having slain the enmity, enmity thereby. The cross is important. That's what brings us back together. The fact that Christ died on the cross. Yeah. Colossians chapter 1, verse 20. And having made peace through the blood of his cross. It doesn't say not simply just by believing in Jesus. Paul didn't say, well, having made peace just by believing in some guy named Jesus. No. What the Messiah did, the fact that he died on the cross, paid the sin debt of mankind. By him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. The work of Christ on the cross, it's the heart. It's the soul of the gospel. Back to our verse, 17 verse 3, Acts 17 verse 3. Let's read it again. Opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead. And that this Jesus whom I preached unto you is... Christ. So we've got the deity, we've got the death, we've got the resurrection. Faith is the response that we have. Look at verse 4. And some of them turned from all their sins and stopped sinning. Is that what they did at the preaching of the cross? No. Uh, I'll read it again. Sorry, I must have read, must have been a wrong version here. Verse 4. And some of them joined the church. Is that what it says? No, I'll read it again. Okay. And some of them were baptized to get saved. Is that what it says? No. Church, the preaching of the cross, Paul is clearly about who the cross is. There is Jesus who is the Messiah. He's the Christ. He's dying on the cross. He's dying for the sins of mankind. And the result of that is what? And some of them, church, say it out loud, some of them what? Believed. That was the response that they have. I believe in what the Messiah did. Jesus was the Messiah. He died on the cross. I'm believing in that doesn't say they just believed in some guy named Jesus. They believed in what he was teaching, that the Messiah would, would pay the sin debt of mankind, and that Jesus was the Messiah. Okay? This is him. He was the Christ. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas. You know, the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and the chief woman, not a few. So what do they do here? Well, they believed. All right? Now go back to verse 5. But the Jews, which believed not, Moved with envy. So some believed, some didn't believe. That's interesting. Just pause on that for two seconds. We all have a what? We all have a choice, right? Every man has a choice. Every woman has a choice. You can believe or not believe. You're not forced to believe. You're not forced not to believe. God didn't decide before the foundation of the earth that you're going to believe and you can't believe. No, no. Some believed and some didn't believe. But the Jews which believed not, what did they do? Huh. They moved with envy, 
took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort. <laughs> That's just a description. Took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort. I don't know, have any of you ever read that verse in the Bible? I don't think I ever knew that was there before I started studying this. It just kind of, what a description. Basically, I kind of dug into it, tried to figure out, well, what is these baser people? What are they, what is this like? Well, it's basically, you know what it means? It means the people that hang out in the market that are up to no good. So this is how I'm envisioning you ever go to the mall and you see some riffraff or you see some thugs and you're just hanging, doing nothing? Okay, this is 2,000 years ago. They still had marketplaces and guess what? Times haven't changed. There, there was riffraff hanging out the market up to no good. And so he's saying the Jews that believe not, they found the riffraff of the town. They were hanging out at the market and gathered a company, got these guys together and said, all oh, the city in an uproar. Oh boy, got everybody together, starting to do some riots here. And assaulting the house of Pastor Jason. <laughs> how many of you knew that the, the name Jason was in the Bible? Do you know that Jason was in the Bible? That's how pa- Pastor Jason, where's Pastor Jason? Is he here today? All right, good. Okay, yeah, I know you're here today. Did, did you know that you were named after a person in the Bible? You're just making that up. You didn't know that. And sought to bring them out to people. So now think about that. So read in between the lines a little bit. Now think about this. Think, think, think. Why are they going to this guy's Jason house? Why, what, who's Jason? I'm thinking Jason's like, like the beginning of a church there, right? Paul, these guys are, are friends with Jason. They're probably staying at Jason's house. Jason's a very hospitable person. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you something about Pastor Jason. Let, let me just get on this. Pastor Jason told me this before the service. If, if this happens, I'm just telling you, right? This is a PSA here, a public service announcement. If we do run out of toilet paper... Pastor Jason said, you're welcome to go to his house. He won't give you toilet paper, but you can use his restroom. All right? And, uh, and he's just going to uh, ration off the sheets. All right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> hospitable. But here, how did I go there? I don't know. Uh, but, but obviously, the house of Jason, he must be hospitable. must be, you know, spirit-led guy. Probably the beginning of the church there. So the riffraff comes to the house of Jason, and what do they do? They, they, they seek to bring them out to the people. Well, them, that's, that's Paul and company. So we're knocking on Jason's door. Jason, let these guys out. These thugs are there. they got an uproar. There's a riot happening. Verse 6, And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren under the rulers of the city. So, so Paul and company are not there. They grab Jason and, and certain other brethren. The beginning of the church, the city, crying, these that have turned, praise the Lord, the world upside down. Whoo! Wow! What, what a description. What, who are these people? These are the people that have turned what? The world upside down. Now, church, that's amazing. It doesn't say these rude people. It doesn't say these unkind people. It doesn't say these rebellious people. It says the people that have turned the world upside down for what? For the sake of the cross. The, the, the description, though, at this time, like I said, we're probably a thousand miles away from Jerusalem, is, is that these people are turning the world upside down by their preaching, what they're talking about. This is amazing. So what a testimony. Look at verse 7. The, these guys whom Jason has received, and these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one whose name is what? Jesus. There's another king. Oh. <laughs> How did they do it? They did it by preaching the gospel. Now, church, let's just pause on this for a second. 
I don't believe Paul was obnoxious. I don't believe Paul was rude. But I believe Paul had passion. I think passion's good. I think Paul had zeal. I think that's good. Church, being obnoxious and being rude are not good. Okay, listen. You share your faith. You have zeal. You have passion. But you're still respectful, right? You, you, you're, still, you're still kind. You're still polite. But you're not rude. Have you ever seen someone, and I've seen them, I've seen them, unfortunately, down in Chicago, I've seen people that are rude with the gospel, okay? And, and, you know, it's just, you're going to hell and just sticking it in people's face and, you know what I'm saying? That's not nice and that's not right. I don't think Paul was doing that, okay? Where did it say Paul was? Let's put it in context, right? He was in, he was in a foreign land, but he's preaching to the people in the synagogue. It didn't say he was trying to cause a revolt or, or a revolt or he was going against the government. You know, he wasn't out there picketing Caesar. He wasn't being obnoxious. He was preaching the gospel, Go over to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24. The same guy here, Paul, wrote this to a pastor. And the servant of the Lord must not... What's the next word, church? Strive. Servant, servant, of the Lord, servant of the Lord must not be a person that strives, but should be what? Gentle unto all men. Apt to teach... Uh-oh. What's the next word, church? Starts with the letter P. Patient. Oh, boy. In what church? Starts with the letter M. Meekness. Instructing those that do what church? They what? Starts with the letter O. Oppose themselves. What person opposes themselves more than someone who has denied the gospel of Jesus Christ? I heard it, but I don't want anything to do with it. You have just opposed yourself. If God preventure, God will give them repentance and acknowledging of the truth. What an interesting picture of those people that are lost, those that oppose themselves, you know. Verse 8 of chapter 17. Acts chapter 17, verse 8. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they'd heard these sayings. (laughs) Take your pen just for fun. Let's underline it, the word troubled. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city. They troubled them with what? Well, when they heard these things. With what? The preaching of the gospel is what troubled people. The fact that you are talking about this Messiah is troubling to us. It's bothering us. Verse 9. And when they had taken security of Jason and of, of the other, they let them go. <laughs> Church, listen. The preaching of the cross may cause trouble and it will be offensive to people. It's the preaching of the cross. I, I, I have known this in my years in ministry. There's an awful lot of churches, and I'm not cataloging them or anything, but I'm just getting this point, that don't ever preach the gospel, okay? I'm not saying they're not Christian. I'm just saying that they don't make an effort to win the lost. That you would never hear Bible verses on Sunday morning that talk about Christ. I have had a number of people, maybe some of you here today, that have told me unsolicited, I didn't ask for it, Pastor, you know, we're going to XYZ Church, we're that. The pastor hasn't opened the Bible at that church for like a couple years. I mean, I mean, they literally have not opened up this book in the pulpit. I had a guy say to me the other week, this is the truth. He said, we came into this church. I was shocked to see your Bible in the pulpit. Okay, so church, just put it in context. The devil does not care if we get together and sing, you know, praise songs. Amen, praise songs. He doesn't give a rip about that. The devil doesn't care if we get together and take communion. The devil doesn't care if we gather here and we get all dressed up on a Sunday morning. The devil doesn't give a rip about that. What the devil cares about is what? The preaching of the gospel. And the clearer, the more emphasis you have on the gospel, the more on the front lines you are going to be. Look what happened to Paul. 
the more trouble you're going to cause in society, not because you're rude, not because you're obnoxious, not because you're a bad person, but just because you're preaching the cross, okay? Pastor, you know, why isn't this church have 10,000 people in it with such a dynamic pastor as we have and, and dynamic pastor's wife? I'll tell you exactly why. Because we're preaching the gospel. We're preaching the cross. It's not story time with the pastor. Amen? It's not. We're not trying to entertain people. We have good music. I believe we have spirit-filled, you know, God-led music here. I think it's wonderful. But the purpose of the church is not just to have a nice, fun show. Nothing, you know, nothing wrong with good music. The purpose of the church is to preach the gospel and help us be discipled, help us to grow and to go into all the world and preach the gospel. So the more you preach the gospel, the more that you're preaching the cross, in the world's eyes, the more problems. Look what Paul was labeled as. He was labeled as what? A troublemaker. Why? Because he preached the gospel. He preached the gospel. It's just simple, clear. Do you see any works in his gospel church? I mean, honestly, did you see any works, any work on our part? Did you see him telling anybody to change their lifestyle? Did you see Paul anywhere saying that? No, he didn't say that. Is it good to change your lifestyle? Well, it's a great thing to change your lifestyle. But you don't change your lifestyle to become a Christian. Paul never preached that. He just gave the gospel, the cross, the fact that Christ was crucified, buried, three days later rose again, and that was the gospel for us to believe in and us to trust in. You know, I've, I've said it before. You can easily say, you can easily say, God bless America. But when you say Jesus is the only way, you've crossed a line. You, you have. You have. You can put on your bumper sticker, you know, God bless America, Hong Kong. Hey, great, I love it. Put a bumper sticker, Jesus is the only way. <laughs> yeah, you're going to get more than a couple of honks. You're probably going to get run off the road. You narrow-minded bigot, you're, you know... Well, wait a second. <laughs> Jesus is the Messiah. You know, he is the Christ. Church, don't ever, don't ever be fearful of preaching the gospel, okay? Be bold with what you do. And, and maybe there will be a time coming, maybe in our lifetime. I, I personally hope not because I, I'm a wimp, okay? I personally hope not. But I think there is a time coming in our lifetime when just preaching the gospel will be a crime and we will suffer real persecution for it. Here's a little tidbit on it. I, I've said this for years. Okay, Our church is only 10 years old, so I've said it at least 10 years ago numerous times. There will come a time when preaching Romans chapter 1 and Romans chapter 2 is going to throw you in jail. We're, we're pretty much knocking on that door, aren't we, in society? Okay, but there's a time coming that that verse and that verse are going to throw you in jail too. So it, it's, just, it's just around the corner. I don't know when. I hope it's not in our lifetime, but it can't be far away. If Romans chapter 1 and Romans chapter 2 are a problem... Well, why isn't John 3.16 and Romans 3.23 and Romans 6.23? How about this? Genesis 1.1. Why isn't that a crime? It will be. It will be. I'll tell you what, it will be. Church, let's close with this verse. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. A wonderful verse that I think we need, especially at this time in our society. Tell you what, let's all stand up and let's read this verse together. And we'll be done this morning. Because I don't want us to be fearful. I don't want us to be afraid. I want us to be leaders, I think, in the community. As I said earlier, we need to be leaders. We need to be Christian leaders. The, the, the world needs to see a church, needs to see Christians that live by wisdom and walk by faith. Okay? We're not a fear. Let's all read it out. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Let's read this verse out loud together. All right? As a church, here we go. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Remain standing. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful that you've given us this verse that we shouldn't be people of fear. Lord, we're thankful Paul did not live in fear. But by faith, 
with wisdom and a sound mind, a reasoning mind, a faithful mind, not a panicked mind. Father, I pray if there's someone here today that doesn't understand the clear presentation of the gospel this morning, they would. That Jesus Christ died on the cross, was buried three days later, rose again. There is no work that gets you entrance into heaven. There is no work that will gain you eternal life. It is simply by faith, by believing, yes, Jesus was the Messiah. He did die on the cross. He paid my sin debt. He was buried three days later, rose again. And in that, and that alone, is what I'm trusting in for my eternity. I'm not trusting in my goodness. I'm not trusting in my changed attitude. I'm not trusting in my church. I am fully believing that Jesus Christ paid for my sins on the cross. He buried them. Three days later, he rose again. And that is what I am trusting in for my salvation. It's Jesus Christ as my Messiah. Maybe someone's done that this morning and trusted fully in what Christ did today. Lord, I ask that you would work in their life, give them a special blessing. Father, help us to be leaders in our community this week and to be people that walk by faith with a sound mind. Help us to reach out to those that are needy and those that are in need and those that are fearful and show them your word. In your name we pray, amen. We are very interested in you and your spiritual growth. If you want to contact Dayspring for prayer or more information, you can reach us at 262-404-5092 or on the web at dayspringbaptist.com. Thanks for listening.